I'm the founder of Paper Magazine, and this is Light Culture. Listen, learn, and stay ahead of the curve as I knock heads with cultural disruptors of the past, present, and future. Light Culture is brought to you by Burb, the Vancouver-based cannabis brand. Daily Paper is an unlikely name for a fashion brand founded by three Africans from Ghana, Morocco, and Somalia who met while living in Amsterdam. But there you have it. My guest today is Jefferson Osei, who along with his partners Abderrahman Trabsini and Hussein Salaman first started a blog, hence the name Daily Paper, that focused on their shared love for music, art, fashion, and culture. All that changed when they released a small collection of t-shirts that went viral. Today, Daily Paper is a luxury fashion brand inspired by African heritage translated toward a more Western narrative. With retail stores in Amsterdam, New York, and London, and with COVID hopefully behind us, it's full steam ahead for this forward-thinking brand. Welcome, Jefferson. Hey, David, thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, you know, I started Paper Magazine back in the day, right? Yeah, classic, classic, classic (laughs) magazine. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know how you wound up calling your blog Daily Paper, but we called our magazine Paper because we couldn't come up with a name. And we kept on like thinking, well, we we kept on calling it Paper, you know, internally among ourselves. Uh And then finally said, well, yeah, let's just go with paper. We had this whole generic idea for the, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, aesthetics and and going forward around that. So here you have daily Uh paper. So I felt like definitely a kinship here, right? Yeah, definitely. What was your thinking when you first started? When we started our blog, it was more or less inspired by our daily activities as a creative collective from Amsterdam. And uh, the name Daily Paper comes from a song from Ludacris, a hip-hop legend. And that song is titled Mouths to Feed. And within that song, he has a a lyric which says, I can't keep up with the news, but I get a daily paper. So when we were listening to that song, it just just stuck to us. And that was basically the the main inspiration for our our blog name, literally. Yeah. Well, you know, paper has another meaning as well, right? Uh, and it shows up in a lot of rip, <laughs> rap songs as well, which is what? Tell me money, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, something money. But it's, it has a metaphorical meaning behind it. So it was more or less to maintain our blog as in a daily paper, a daily biography of us as a collective in Amsterdam, traveling around the world, visiting fashion weeks, exhibitions, interviewing uh, hip hop artists and other musicians, and basically telling our story from Amsterdam. Uh, we got inspired by blogs like the Madbury Club from Philip T. Anand, Obi Hundreds blog from obviously the Hundreds, and the guys from New York Street Etiquette, yeah, Joshua Kisi, and yes, so we got we got inspired by them more or less, and that's why we wanted to showcase the Amsterdam version, the Amsterdam lifestyle. But but you also went traveling and and you know to the shows. You didn't just limit yourself to Amsterdam. No, literally. We're traveling to fashion weeks. We're hosting exhibitions, parties. 
a lot of like offline activations, basically building our community from there on. And that translated back to our blog. So we gained a huge following throughout our blog. And our community literally yeah, grew organically because most of the people within our community can resonate with our story. They can resonate with our background, our identity, et cetera, et cetera. What's interesting, because a lot of fashion brands, because of the internet, have been forced to move into content creation. And now they say every, every company is a content company. You, you can't just produce clothes or whatever else you're, you happen to be making. You also have to be all over social media. You have to be making videos. You have to be doing lots of content all the time. So you had the opposite approach, yeah, right? You started with content. Yeah, content based on our lifestyle as individuals, as creatives from Amsterdam. So it was, the blog was like literally based around our activities and the content came naturally as well. So people would see us on all different types of venues, locations. They would mingle with us and these people were all like-minded. So yeah, all that happened organically. So for us, it has been a whole like natural growth process, organic growth process in terms of um, yeah, cr- having a, a DNA, a, a strong identity. And that is, yeah, it's still st- stuck to us. And it's now like, yeah, throughout the whole brand, it's like a lifestyle platform now. But did you ever imagine that you would actually be making fashion back then when you were starting? No, the thing is, what happened is that the blogosphere got saturated. When we started our blog, we were still using uh, the backend system from, from Blogspot. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> no, that's old, yeah. man. Yeah, that's classic. And then we saw like the come up of Tumblr. So that made it very easy to start like a blog. So like it was basically resharing images. So during that Tumblr era, loads of other blogs came up and we felt like, okay, we need to find a way apart from doing like offline activations and strong storytelling, how to diversify ourselves. So we felt, okay, let's, let's see if we can create something tangible for our audience, our community. And the first thing that we came up was basically merch for the blog. And yeah, it was very simple, nothing complicated design wise. It was more or less the logo of the blog printed on several different silhouettes from hoodies to sweaters to t-shirts. And yeah, we started selling that to family and friends and selling that during our offline activations as well. And that's when we were like, okay, this is something that could actually grow. And between 2008 and 2012, that's when our research started actually in terms of, okay, are we actually going to do this? Like, are we going to stop blogging? And within the collective, yeah, people had other, other plans, but eventually we felt like, okay, Blogging is, is not the future anymore. It's, it's like vlogging right now. Literally vlogging on YouTube, on in which any other medium that people use, is actually quite saturated. Same was it for blogging back then. So around 2008, 2009, 2010, we felt like, okay, yeah, are we still going to continue blogging? It's like, it's almost dead being a blogger. So let's find a way to reinvent ourselves and diversify ourselves and stand out. And that, that was through uh, the merch that we created. But you, you, know, you weren't satisfied with just those basics of you know, the hoodies and T-shirts, and which, yes, you just add a graphic design, and yes, you can present yourself in that respect. But you guys are doing fashion now. You're doing kind of high fashion, very designed work. You went yes. way beyond where you started. 
Yeah, literally, literally, because we felt that our background, so like more or less the within fashion, it was either very folklore or very traditional, and more or less the perception was misunderstood. So we felt that we had to we had to change that that whole right way narrative and take that narrative, yeah, back in in control. So yeah, we felt like okay, from the merch, what's the ideal next step? So we started working on our very first collection. And, and we come from a DIY generation where we literally learn everything ourselves. And from there on, we gain knowledge of the market, how to produce. And that's when we felt comfortable to actually launch our very first t-shirt collection in 2012. It consisted out of like five different graphic designs, all uh, representing African cultural identity. So we had a graphic representing uh, East Africa, North Africa, and uh, West Africa. So you've since opened stores in New York and London, and you, you're also based in Amsterdam, I guess, still. I yes. don't know where you're based, your home, home base is exactly. But what mm-hmm. made you think there's a global marketplace for the African sensibility? Is your target audience the African diaspora, or is it broader than that? Yeah, it's way broader than that. We basically represent the top culture kids, people uh, who have a sense of belonging. They're searching for their identity. And I'm, I'm going to explain something to you. So, for example, when I go to the country where my parents are from, Ghana, they say, oh, yeah, that's that guy from the Netherlands. Meanwhile, I speak the language. I have the same skin color as all the other people there, but they still see me as a foreign person. When I'm in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, same thing. So there's this third culture generation mingling in this gray area. And it doesn't matter where you're actually from. It does, you don't have to be from, per se, from Africa. You can be from Turkey. You can be from Korea, Japan. If you live in a Western society or in a Western civilization and you represent your identity, uh, you belong to the daily paper community. And that story is everywhere. So right now, I'm in New York, for example. There's so many different cultures here. And people are strongly connected to that as it's part of their identity. And that's what we, uh, as Daily Paper, celebrate. We celebrate identity. And obviously, the story comes from a Ghanaian, a Moroccan, and a Somali person. But we represent third culture kids around the world. So that's probably a better way than saying, you know, because I was going to ask you if there's such a thing as a universal African sensibility given mm-hmm. that the continent is so huge and diverse. And even here, Westerners get pushback when they talk about Africa as if it was one country, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, really it's made up of many countries, different tribes, many hundreds of mm-hmm. languages. So mm-hmm. is there an African sensibility that can play across all of those? Yeah, definitely. Because we used daily paper as a vehicle to learn about all those different cultural details like, I know some of my background. I didn't know everything. Same goes for Abdrahman in regards to Morocco. Same goes for Hussein in regards to Somalia. There's so many things that we can learn, not only from our own countries, but also from all the other countries. And that's what we try to implement within our storytelling. And like, we have a, like a utopian vision of Africa in that sense that we want to show like a new side of Africa in terms of different cultural references that people think that actually don't exist 
So for example, uh, there's a skate culture in Africa. There's a, a graffiti culture in Africa. There's so many different uh, niches which can be highlighted through a simple form, a simple vehicle like fashion. And that's what we tend to do. And yeah, it's very beautiful because along that journey, we get to know and learn so much about the motherland and uh, what it represents and what it means to a lot of people. Yeah, I had uh, Olalu Saluan from the Motherland Collective, who you're probably familiar with <laughs> on the show earlier, right? You know, we did it from Lagos in his headquarters. That was really one of my favorite episodes. So much energy. Yeah, I can feel it just through, <laughs> you know, the, the computer that mm-hmm. was there. And it makes me feel that, yeah, there's so much for us to learn from yeah. Africa mm-hmm. as well as, you know, I don't know what Africa can learn from us. Probably mm-hmm. probably better not to not to <laughs> learn too much from us at this point. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm fascinated by your vision and growth in the fashion space. Mm-hmm. But I'd also like to know more about you, a.k.a. Papa Ghana. <laughs> Who is he? How did he get to where he is today? You said you learned DIY. Mm-hmm. Were you a skate punk or how, how would you describe your early years and how you arrived my, to where you are today? In my early years, well, basically I'm from, from Amsterdam. I've lived in uh, all the different boroughs of Amsterdam. And this gained me this cultural knowledge of all types of different types of people. So a lot of like uh, a sense of empathy and that's something that always has stick to me in life. So everywhere I go, I take culture with me. Uh, I love languages. Uh, I like to speak so many different languages. <laughs> and also I like sports. So what really made me connect with a lot of people with sports and in particular uh, football. So like Americans call it soccer, but <laughs> on our side of the world is football. And um, by playing football on the street, I connected with all types of people and with my cultural uh, knowledge I knew how to connect with them organically and naturally by basically saying a word in their language or uh, understanding their background um, and from there on um, yeah life just 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 came at me so um, I left my parents out house at the age of uh, 15 16 uh, I had a very hard period but um, I, I, I discovered my other talents and uh, my sense of yeah, style, which made me uh, gain more knowledge in terms of fashion. I was always inspired by the classic uh, hip hop of the 90s. Uh, and that really formed my style as, uh, till today. And my mom always taught me um, that uh, it's always important to remember where you come from. So that has always stick to me. So my roots have played uh, a huge part of uh, my upbringing and uh, my identity till today. Yeah, my other talents were uh, next to uh, fashion, also music. Uh, and this is something I still uh, practice every now and then, low key, as it, as it is for me like a, a therapy session. It gets me out of this, this fashion world and uh, really keeps me grounded. Same goes for my sports, my, my football. And that's something I'm still doing till today. And yeah, Papagana comes from uh, the, the artist's name. And it's actually an oath to, uh, to a legal taxi driver in Amsterdam. It's basically, if you knew, yeah, you knew him. Uh, he had a, 
a number that was circulating around Amsterdam. And he was, yeah, basically bringing people around town for less than five euros in certain parts of the city. And he was known for uh, being helpful and always having this empathic uh, sense of for for people, more or less. So their problems became (laughs) his problems as well. So that's why people uh, start calling him Papagana. And a lot, a lot of people uh, mentioned those same characteristics about me as well. And the Papa doesn't actually mean father of, it means greatness of. So within Africa, when, when someone is called uh, Papa, it doesn't mean he uh, is a father, but it means uh, it's a great person. So that's where it comes from. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's me. Kind of in a nutshell, but like, yeah, I can go into more detail, but I don't know how, yeah. how long no, we well, have. Well, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we have, we have time, but yeah. I, you know, because as you were talking, it made me think about part of what your brand ethos is, which also combines charity or helping people or trying to do good, uh, social conscience way of, of giving back at the same time and representing something more than just fashion without any meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? Yeah, it's, it's, I think that it's also something that comes with our upbringing. Um, uh, Abdurrahman and Hussein Suleiman uh, all come from different households, but like there's, there are similarities within our upbringing. And um, that's something that we have been implementing throughout our, our journey thus far. The... Yeah, we really have the urge to give back to the people that we, yeah, we, we try to represent. We feel that is, 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 is something that's, that's normal for us. A lot of people would see it as, as oh, oh uh, it's your duty or something. But for us, it's, it's natural to give back uh, to the people that we get a lot of inspiration from. Uh, it would be weird to basically uh, get and appropriate literally everything from Africa and not do anything back. Even though we are Africans, it feels weird not to do something for those people. Uh, and whatever it is, we try to, uh, yeah, help where we can. Yeah, I know you helped you st- open the skate park as yeah. one of your projects, right? Yeah, so we've done several, several stuff that people don't really know because we don't like to talk about it. Uh, we don't like to shout about it like, hey, look at the daily paper. Look at what no. we did. <laughs> like, we know a lot about that. Uh, so, for example, we made a, a, a football pitch uh, in two locations within Africa. So the first one, which I'm very proud of, is in Somalia, uh, the country of uh, Hussein Suleiman. The reason why I'm proud of it, because uh, Hussein, up to that time, never went back to uh, Somalia as he's a refugee. And... We actually made it happen uh, from a distance. So for me, that was like, okay, damn, it's possible. We can actually do something in Somalia, even though the situation is not really stable at the moment. And for him, I don't know, um, I don't know uh, how he feels about it, but it makes me happy and makes me proud. Imagine how he feels about it. And the other one uh, that we did, uh, we did two major projects in, in, in Ghana, obviously the country where I'm from. Yeah, we made a football pitch there as well. Uh, but the football pitch uh, was at an African girls' school in Accra. And the girls in, in Ghana, 
they they love football, uh, but their facilities were not good. They were playing football on basically trash uh, areas, so very dangerous, very very yeah, very toxic, very unsafe, literally. And uh, yeah, all the boys' schools in Accra and Ghana, and yeah, most of the country get all the football facilities. Uh, so back in 2017, we had uh, a global collaboration with a German sportswear brand. And uh, yeah, we used uh, some of the, the marketing budget uh, and activation budget to, uh, to build a, 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 a football pitch because the collection that we made was inspired by um, African football and, is, uh, and the relationship between that German sports brand and African football. So we made like a fictional football collection uh, representing the whole of Africa. But we activated it in uh, Accra, Ghana with a, with a football pitch instead of hosting another party in Amsterdam, which you can do every week if you want to. <laughs> so this is, this is more legacy, you know, like uh, that's something I'm also very proud of. Um, that's something tangible. Like if you would take the plane to Ghana right now, you can actually visit that uh, football pitch. Same like visiting our, our daily paper stores, but these are, these are like, yeah, <laughs> uh, spaces. It's yeah, different. it's great. It's a permanent yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, contribution to yeah. the community. Yeah. And I know community matters to you as well, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even in your location sitting in New York right now. Yeah. I understand that there was, you know, before you settled on where you're going to be, there had to be some research. You weren't quite sure where, you, you know, New York, where am I going to put, set up shop? How am I going to figure this out? Why did you sit? Now you're in where on the Lower East Side, Soho. Yeah, I'm in Manhattan. Area, Manhattan. Right? Yeah, I'm in Manhattan right now in the Lower East Side on Valencia and Christie. And the research phase actually went like this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you back to the backstory, literally. So uh, obviously we, we have our store in Amsterdam. That was our very first flagship store. And we were looking for uh, the next move. And as a brand, we've been uh, doing lots of global uh, pop-up stores around the world. In South Africa, in Nigeria, in Ghana, in Berlin, in London. So we felt like, actually, like, okay, the, the most logical step is to do something in Europe. So either London or Paris or Germany. But at, the opportunity never came. And uh, one of our dreams uh, was to open up in, in the US and New York we see New York as the capital of the world. It represents so much to the world in terms of culture. Yeah, so Hussein, Hussein Suleiman's dream was to live in, in New York as well. So he went and started doing literally the field research. So some of us did the desk research and he did the field research. So he came here, let's say two years prior to opening the store. But before that, we were coming here as well for like trade shows and exhibiting our exhibitions and exhibiting our brand and stuff. But like he decided to come and live here and do research in every borough. So when he came here, his first thought like, okay, let me go to Harlem because that's where most of the, the African communities reside. And while being in, in Harlem, he saw, he saw like, okay, he did his research and he's like, okay, there's a different type of dynamics here. Let me go check. Brooklyn and he did that as well and then he came to the Lower East Side and the Lower East Side really uh, reminded him and eventually us uh, on uh, our neighborhood that we grew up in in Amsterdam in the west part of Amsterdam so we felt like okay 
the Lower East Side is, is actually the place to be. And uh, coincidentally, found an empty space on the corner of Delancey and Christie that had been vacant for more than seven years. So he immediately informed us and we flew in. And that's how we decided to, yeah, make something out of this building. Uh, and yeah, we opened up in uh, 2020 in the middle of the p- pandemic, but it has been uh, good thus far because the community that we built uh, prior to opening the store comes here on a regular now. And what I like about uh, New York is that, and in, uh, is that people are really like in search of their identity and there's a sense of belonging and which really fits yeah, our ethos. So our store is not per se focused on uh, getting the highest conversion. It's like, a, it's like a community hangout. So people can come in and get a drink, chill on the, on the rooftop and <laughs> enjoy the, uh, the Lower East Side, literally with other like-minded people. And if they don't buy the first time, they'll come in the second or the third time. And for us, we use this as a vehicle as well to, to create awareness within the U.S. market as, it, as opening a store creates a lot of uh, traction and the conversion will come online eventually. So it's, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like an investment for us. It's not per se like, oh yeah, we're keen on having a return on investment within the first year and that's impossible. So this, this is for us a hub and we, we don't even call this store like a store. We call it the embassy. <laughs> so it's, it's, our, it's our embassy, literally. <laughs> and is that where you spend most of your time or where are you, you know, no, I'm based, moving I'm around? Based, I'm based in Amsterdam, but I, I travel a lot. Prior to my trip, uh, I was in Cleveland for the All-Star uh, weekend. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And uh, before that, I was in Ghana because we had like a pop-up store there. Uh, but my base is in, is in Amsterdam. But between Amsterdam, yeah, I travel a lot around the world. And Hussein is actually the one that lives in New York. And he also travels back and forth. But he's the one that actually lives here, as that was his wish in life. <laughs> Sweet, lucky man. He got what he wished for. You know, but they, sometimes they say, you know, be careful what you wish for, too. Yeah, of course, because like New York, uh, it's, it's a very huge city and like you need to like, like really maintain yourself, really, really, yeah, yeah, take care of yourself if you live in this city. <laughs> yeah, for real. So uh, I, I know you, you, you focus on more of the sales and business side of the company, is that correct? Yeah, that, that role has literally... Has, it keeps has, changing. It keeps changing. But like at first, when it was just the three of us, uh, we naturally grew into uh, certain roles. So what happened is that uh, Hussein uh, was more or less the, 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 the marketing guy as he uh, thinks in so many different layers uh, ahead. And that's always good. Uh, I was the more the natural connector. And in terms of my school background, I have an economic background. So I was doing also most of the finances uh, and that also turned into sales. And next to that, as I already explained, I'm a natural connector. So in terms of explaining the, the, the collections and the storytelling behind the collections came natural to me. And Abdurrahman was the one that has the more creative background. He went to art academy in the Netherlands. And he, but we never, none of us has a fashion background. So within that short period uh, between 2008 and 2012, we actually schooled ourselves all different uh, segments of running a business. So I just explained to you those roles, but those roles were very broad. 
we also went to the post office and did all the logistics. We packed in everything. and Very familiar to me as well as uh, yeah. when we started paper mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. Uh, very DIY as well. How did you guys meet? Were you like uh, friends uh, headed off right away? No. So like I grew up in the same neighborhood as Abdurrahman in the west part of Amsterdam. And I know Hussein from school. So uh, due to mutual interest and like-mindedness, we connected on a very organic note as if it was meant to be. And from there on, our journey started together. And yeah, through our blogging, obviously, and through our traveling, you get to know each other on a different levels. So for example, we've been sleeping in hostels in hostels together on, on, you know, on one bed, for example. And yeah, these are things that <laughs> moments we will always cherish because <laughs> yeah. that's like when, you know, certain things like this are meant to be. And uh, yeah, all being part of the, the journey, you know? So, yeah. So who inspires you in terms of every, anything, you know, on any level, spiritual, business, cultural yeah, sp- spiritually is obviously the most high <laughs> uh as in religion wise musically uh michael jackson also style wise and oh sweet yeah yeah <laughs> that's a throwback <laughs> yeah obviously michael jackson for sure <laughs> yeah and like like fashion wise like um and in terms of business i like comme de garçon very much uh based on um the amount of segments they have within their ranges and their retail uh, that they have. And they're also their, their mentoring program for a lot of young and upcoming brands. Uh, this, that's a brand that I, I look up to, but like in terms of individuals, um, wow, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many people that uh, I get inspiration from. Um, yeah. Like we, 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 we work with Virgil, for example, I was uh, just going to say that you work with yeah. Virgil, Virgil, yeah, rest yeah, in Virgil, peace. Um, yeah, rest in peace. Uh, obviously, uh, terrible. Yeah. So how, you know, tell us about Virgil anyway, how, and your experience with him. Um, it was an honor to work with Virgil first and foremost. And um, when he came up as a, as a, uh, as a creative director, slash art director for, for Kanye, uh, obviously, we saw uh, that in the output of Kanye's career and when he started uh, yeah, Pyrex uh, and, and being Trill, we noticed that, okay, this is something special. Um, uh, and yeah, obviously uh, his journey went very fast uh, with the association and the affiliation of Kanye. Uh, he got into different heights and uh, these heights came with a lot of res- responsibility as he was, yeah, uh, one of the first black people to be uh, at certain levels. Uh, and that, yeah, that was very inspiring to see because he was carrying the weight for a lot of people. And uh, it was not always uh, 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 the, the right representation, but like what he did meant a lot for people like me. A lot of people were making fun of him on, on the internet. But for me, it was like, I don't care as long as there's someone looking like me in that position, I'm, I'm already happy um, because we never had that. Uh, some, someone being a creative director for Louis Vuitton. Right. And, and yeah. we don't uh, anymore either right now. Yeah. So there's yeah. still a void there. Hopefully uh, it'll be filled yeah. by somebody but, great like him. 
mm-hmm. and generous well, like him because his whole generosity mm-hmm. and helping young designers and all kinds of other people, uh, you know, was very rare. Yeah, very rare. Like his energy was was unparalleled, literally. Like he would respond in in certain time frames. I was like, yo, you you, you don't sleep. <laughs> people say that say that about me. And like I'm everywhere, but he was literally everywhere. So the amount of hours that he was putting in was also very inspiring. And in his last, yeah, last two years, I think uh, he knew his time was 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 uh, was yeah running up. He basically dedicated his last yeah time to yeah bring out knowledge for the next generation and helping young designers. So he started even work even harder than he was doing before, and he connected with uh, loads of different uh, talented individuals, all for the sake of getting them ready for representing the community uh, within fashion. And uh, yeah, we respect him for that, but we will be forever grateful for that as well. And yeah. based on our similar backgrounds, uh, his wish was to do something uh, in Ghana, as he's also from Ghanaian descent. And that was creating a skate park to, together, as he has a, a skate uh, background. And we saw the skate scene and the skate community growing in, 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 in Ghana through a collect, collective called Surf Ghana, uh, created by Sandy Alibo. Uh, she literally uh, saw a potential uh, within the Ghanaian skate community and starting to nurture them and mentor them. But she, she needed help. So we felt like, okay, we as a um, uh, daily paper and Off-White can uh, basically support this cause as this will create like a, a long-term uh, 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 legacy. And uh, so we created uh, two T-shirts and uh, uh, Surf Ghana opened a, a fund where people could donate. And with uh, the proceedings and the revenue of the, 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 the two T-shirt styles, uh, we donated uh, the money for the skate park. And a year later, the skate park has been open. And yeah, that's also something beautiful. So last December, I was there. And to actually see that vision come uh, to life is... is, is uh, it's great. Unfortunately, Virgil couldn't uh, make it, but like, yeah, his, 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 his legacy lives on forever and uh, you could feel his presence uh, out there. So it was an honor to work with him. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll respect uh, his legacy uh, for the rest of our lives and we're happy that we were part of his journey as well. Well, I'm sure he was uh, respect your vision as well and was honored to work with you. As uh, I has been honored to speak with you today. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much, Jefferson Osai, for talking with me. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you for having us. And uh, keep, keep, keep doing this. Keep, keep uh, sharing your platform for people like me and yeah, people around you that you feel need a platform. Thank Will you. Will do. So, yeah. Thank you. All the best. You've been listening to Light Culture. You can find us at shopburb.com, Light Culture, or at Light Culture Podcast. Thanks again to Burb. You can follow them at shopburb on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to and review the show. If you would like to get in touch, reach out to me directly at David Reporting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.